Welcome to Robriety, the podcast about sobriety, mental health, and wellness for men, women, and the men and women who love it. Here are your hosts, Scott Graham and Derek Bowen. Scott. Derek. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. How are you? Not too bad. Welcome to uh, the second episode of Brobriety, where we'll look at, I got to memorize their tagline, uh, sobriety, mental health and wellness for men, women, and the men and women who love them. Uh, good to see you again. Good to see you too, buddy. Uh, your hat looks very cozy. Thanks. It is. It's, uh, this is, so Scott and I both live in Vancouver, well, the greater Vancouver, Canada area. Uh, I specifically moved to this city 12 years ago. Um, so that I never had to contend with winter or cold or winter conditions again, because we're Pacific Northwest, very mild. It just, it, the rain is ceaseless, but it never, ever gets cold here, uh, until, recently when it is very, very cold and I'm just cold all the time. Um, and I've got like, um, stern thermometer dad syndrome where I'm always like, no, you're not turning the heat on. The first time I moved into this apartment, this is a tangent. Uh, the first year I moved into this apartment, I had the heat cranked all winter and my hydro bills were like $400. Yeah. And, uh, and now I'm just like, you're cold, put on a sweater, still cold, put on two sweaters. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. I, uh, I'm the same way. I have to basically get yelled at to turn the furnace on when the weather gets cold. Cause I'll just put on like extra socks and a sweater and yeah, just be happy seeing my own breath inside my own house. But that's, apparently that's not okay. That's not okay so, for that's, my, that's, yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what I've been told. The small child does not appreciate it. Much. Yeah, she's, she's, much. she's fine. Mine's <laughs> fine. She can be cold. Yeah. <laughs> Builds character. Uh, so, Hey, thanks for taking time. It's been a, a slow, uh, couple of weeks in terms of the news cycle. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, not, not much going much, on, not too much to talk about, but, uh, we'll, fucking we'll hell. An episode here. Um, you know, let's just hop into it. We are, uh, we are, you know, happy to be Canadians. Uh, I think watching, uh, what has become of us politics from afar, but it's tough to not get wrapped up in it. Uh, and they recently had uh, their presidential election, which I'm sure unless you're listening to this podcast from a cave, uh, you're probably aware of. Um, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been, uh, <laughs> it's been, a, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been a thing, you know, thing. it's a whole thing. Um, yeah, it's been like, I, I so I just spent the whole like last week um just fucking exhausted and like um you know it was uh very very easy to just like punish my own mental health cuz all I did was go on to Twitter and see the things that people were screaming at each other yeah. and like even though I knew there wasn't a result coming for like a couple of days just like endlessly refreshing the electoral map uh and um you know, if if you wanted to have a positive outlook on the future of humanity, I'm going to say last week was was not your week. Uh, no, it, it certainly wasn't my week. Um, you know, thankfully, uh, or not depending on your politics, I guess. But I think overall, the sentiment is thankfully uh, Joe Biden did prevail. 
Um, so I think in this episode, we want to kind of take a look at, at the election, uh, what the election showed us, what we learned about ourselves throughout the election, and some specifics about um, the, the Republicans' attacks on uh, Hunter Biden, who is himself uh, a recovered addict, um, kind of what that made us feel and, and how we interpreted that. So, uh, Scott, how was, how was your whole election experience? Uh, I think kind of the same as everybody's. It's been, um, you know, like we're in Canada, so we're somewhat insulated from it. But, you know, Canada's so interwoven with everything that happens in America that it's, it's going to affect us regardless of who or what or whatever is happening down there. Like it all, it affects us. It affects the rest of the world. That's just the way it is. Uh, I think Robin Williams said it's like Canada is like living upstairs from a meth lab or something. I think that's how we put it. And yeah, that checks out. So uh, yeah, it's been wild, man. Uh, I got to say, I wrote a thing uh, for my website about the, uh, the election and then like learning on Saturday, this past Saturday that uh, Biden had won uh, or they were calling it for Biden. And uh, man, I felt just this unbelievable weight lift off of my shoulders and like it's something that shouldn't affect me as much as it did because like like we keep saying it's not here we're not there we don't live there we can't vote but i don't think i realized how much the last four three and a half four years had really worn me down just with the constant attacks and negativity and racism and xenophobia and just everything uh, that's happening. And it's not just in America, it's happening around the world. And because it's being uh, accepted in America, it's, it's growing everywhere. And just to see it get defeated in a way, it just felt great. Like I, 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 yeah, it felt so good to hear that he had lost. Now, is he going to leave? I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a topic for the, uh, the podcast yeah. two months from now. But. Yeah, that's that's for the political podcast to talk about. But yeah, I just uh, one of the things for me during this election, there was uh, one of the debates. I think it was the first debate, uh, the one that was like really, really off the rails, where they just completely lost control of the debate, and uh, it was just a an absolute mess. But there was a point in that debate where. Uh, Trump started attacking Joe Biden's uh, son, Hunter, who uh, has well-known history of addiction. And Joe, what Joe said really resonated with me. Um, You know, I'm not, if I was American, would Joe Biden have been my first choice for Democratic nominee? Probably not. Uh, But when he answered uh, those attacks the way he did about how he was proud of his son, for overcoming uh, his addiction and, and fighting it and beating it. Uh, that really, really resonated with me. And uh, to hear uh, a guy like Joe talk like that about his son, um, it was it was nice. And it's such a departure from what we've been living through for the last four years. So, yeah, man. Joe Biden, he really surprised me. He really surprised me with that answer. And yeah. uh, it, it meant a lot, you know? Like, I, I think, um, you know, 
as, as people who have probably struggled with, with addiction probably struggled, who have definitely struggled with addiction ourselves. Um, just hearing how, just seeing how he handled that. It was, it was like a flawless as, as somebody who has lived through that shit as somebody who knows that like, you know, genetically, uh, my son could absolutely inherit those traits or inherit some trauma or, and I will do everything in my power to make sure it doesn't happen. But, um, to to see how he handled that and and gave the response where he basically like admitted to it didn't deny it didn't shrug yeah. it off said yeah he's been through some shit but he's overcome it and i'm like super proud of him um that that is all i think any anyone who has ever struggled with addiction would would ever want to hear like yeah. it's um uh it, it was a beautiful moment it was really well done um and i think the the thing it's you know i'm i'm sure we have li- like everything's so politicized right now and in the states i'm sure we have listeners who are republicans and they're republicans for their own reasons and that's mm-hmm. fine but one thing that absolutely fucking sickened me was the way um the way republicans uh attacked hunter biden for his addiction like and it yep. wasn't just the trump comment at the debate uh don don jr made a comment about uh calling hunter biden a crackhead uh there were a lot of tweets and these are from government officials these are from people who ostensibly are supposed to give a shit about the people who live in the country that they're presiding yeah. over yeah um, and you know a country that's in the midst of this incredible opioid crisis right now because just everyone is trying to sedate themselves from this shitty world we live in um and to hear the way they they disparaged addiction and the way they uh you know on on the world stage made mocked someone with addiction and and slandered someone with addiction it's i honestly like i don't know how a republican how someone who has maybe gone through and come out on the other side of addiction themselves or who are in recovery and and who lean Republican politically could see that and still feel like they could support that party and in good conscience. Cause it was, it was fucking gross. Like that moment in, in the entire Trump presidency of sickening moments, I think the, the way they zeroed in on Hunter Biden and uh, attacked him for, for that um, is, uh, is, was just gross. Yeah. So, and the 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 irony that I don't think is lost on anybody is that anybody who uh, knows anything about drugs knows that Don Jr. does a whole bunch of coke. Like you can you can just see it, man. Like it's it's so unbelievably obvious, and he's he's fucked up all the time. So for him to be calling somebody else a crackhead or an addict or whatever you know what, man, just go fuck yourself, Don Jr. Seriously. Like it's, it's, if you want to tie yourself to that horse, if you want to tie yourself to the Trump train and ride it all the way to gravy town, you know what? You're probably a piece of shit. So I hope your train goes off a cliff. (laughs) Very, very well said there, Scott. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, but it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting that these people call themselves, uh, you know, the, the right generally aligns themselves with, uh, uh, evangelical Christianity. Well, like, and uh, man, there uh, is nothing in the Bible that uh, tells you to uh, treat people the way that they do and to live lives that they live while holding other people to different standards. It's an absolute joke and uh, it's, it's sickening. 
yeah uh the the other like it it is problematic because like i think a lot of the stuff um the stuff they were saying and the way they were attacking hunter was it was kind of representative of um something that a lot of people uh particularly in conservative circles and especially in american conservative circles um, believe. And that's just that there's this whole concept of uh, meritocracy in the States, right? That it's yep. like you can you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you can achieve everything that you want, but anything bad that happens to you is your fault and yours alone. So yep. if you're if you're an addict, you choose to be an addict. You chose yep. to do drugs the first time. You choose to do drugs every time you're doing it. That's a choice. You you don't deserve support. You don't deserve respect. You don't deserve uh, you know, government assistance, you don't deserve anything because you put yourself there and it's your problem. Yeah. Um, and that's why, that's why the, the, the healthcare system down there is so fucked up too, because it's based on personal responsibility. You're responsible for your own healthcare yeah. because you should just be healthy or else you're a burden to society. Right. Um, it, it's funny. It's all, it's all like super tied into, uh, the male ideal and, and, um, that whole pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, uh, American, whatever is, is such a dangerous thing when you start talking about who you're voting for and who you're putting into power, because those people didn't get there by pulling their bootstraps up. Like maybe a couple of them did. There's always like, you know, those feel good stories about people who have come from literally nothing. But for the most part, those people didn't come from nothing. They had every advantage in life to get where they are. And the the thought that the average person on the street could achieve the same thing is just a pipe dream. It really is. And, and their whole system and most whole capitalist systems are designed to keep those classes separate, right? So for you to climb into that other class, it's, it takes basically a miracle. Um, but that's what they sell. Uh, and they sell it particularly to uh, to white men, and uh, man, they buy it hook, line, and sinker down there. <laughs> well, that's the that's the whole male ideal, right? Like you yeah. you are the master of your own domain. You can you are responsible for being a provider, not just for yourself, for your family, and and uh, you know it's it's the whole um, the whole. Uh, you know, like I, I am a man. I am in control of everything that happens to me. I'm yeah. in control of everything that happens to those around me. Um, and that is something that like, yeah, on a massive scale kind of represents the whole, uh, the whole conservative view of the world. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, um, without leaning too hard to the left and, and making this a socialism podcast, which <laughs> I would be more than happy to do. <laughs> I mean, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like time and time again, like a, a country, a community, a group of people, a family, whatever, you're only as strong as your, your weakest people. Uh, and, and there is honestly like strength, strength in numbers and joining together. And that's like in, in terms of addiction, like that's why we see groups like Alcoholics Anonymous having such a huge influence and, and having so much yeah. power and helping so many people is because, there is strength in numbers when it comes to that. So, yeah. um, you know, what, whatever your struggle is and whatever your battle is, and uh, yes, men, women, and the men and women who love them, I'm speaking to you, uh, you, it's not a sign of weakness to admit that you need help or admit that you no. need support. Man, 
that is the ultimate sign of strength. It really is like to, to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need help. And whether that means reaching out to a person or a group or whatever, like that is the ultimate show of strength and of personal accountability and of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. That is the American dream, realizing that you're better uh, being vulnerable and you're better working with other people. You're better as a group than you are by yourself. Like there's, there's, like you said, there's strength in numbers and it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard for a lot of men and women too, to admit that they need help. Uh, and that's a big problem. You know, it was hard for me. It took me, I don't know, way too long. <laughs> took yeah, me way too same, long. Same, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> my life's half over. Now I'm, I'm still, you know, I struggle with it a lot. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. I'm like, and I, I think a lot of men, I know a lot of men feel the same way where it's just yeah. like, it's better to suffer in silence than to, uh, to admit you need help. And whether that's with anything, whether you're starting a business or you're struggling with mental health or you're, uh, trying to raise a child or you're, um, you know, sobering up, uh, there's, there, it's okay to admit that you cannot go it alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that, uh, so my, my day job, I don't know if we talk, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I fix elevators for a living. That's my we, day job. We, were you joking? Cause we literally talked about it the last episode. I'm, no, I'm going to say that every episode. Come on. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, I eat exceptionalism for breakfast and I, uh, anyways, I, uh, so I fix elevators for a living. And, uh, one of the things that has helped me in my career is never being afraid to ask for help. There's always somebody out there that knows more than I do or knows something different than I do. And the amount of times that I've needed help and asked for it and got it has really helped propel my career. Uh, and there's, you know, there's other people that do the same thing that I do that can, they just kind of seem to spin their wheels and they can't really get ahead and they're sort of stuck doing the same job for years and years and years, but they never ask for help. They never try to find out what they need to learn. What are they missing? What are they not seeing? And it's, you know, my trade is predominantly men, um, predominantly white men. And it's, there's this thing where, white men don't want to ask for help. They just don't want to ask for help because they see it as being weak. They don't want people to think that they don't know everything. Man, I don't know everything. I don't know anything. And I will stand by that till my dying day. <laughs> but if somebody else knows it and they're willing to help me, I'm going to return that favor one day. And then me and that other person are both going to know new things and just, you just got to keep carrying that forward. It's just this whole life philosophy about, you can't do everything by yourself. You'll fail. You will absolutely fail if you try to do everything by yourself. There's no great leader, great person, great anything that got anywhere alone on their own. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not how, that's not how it works. You know, that, that is the story that they're, they're sold again and again in the, yeah. in the United States. Like you don't, you don't need assistance from anyone. You can do this on your own. Uh, yep. and, and I think we see, um, when you, uh, you know, spend a few decades preaching rugged individualism above all else, and then you end up in something like a public health crisis or an oh, election where you need people to work together, uh, that's when uh, the problems with that message 
really become apparent. Yeah, yeah. Two hundred, two hundred and one thousand cases today. Oh, is that what? It, and this is like today. This is like the third. Uh, I'd say wave, but they never even got out of yeah, the waves. This is like they the were, they're just, on the roller coaster. Yeah, it's like uh, they don't really go back down. They just sort of plateau and then go back up again, you know? But, like, it's it's awful to see, like, um, it, there's just such a disconnect between what needs to happen and what is happening. And we see that here as well, um, province to province, city to city, uh, all around the world. The, the response has been wildly different, but I think it's pretty safe to say that in America, it's been just absolutely abysmal. And a lot of that comes down to um, the mentality of um, individualism and uh, you don't need anybody's help and you're supposed to be able to do it on your own and you can't tell me what to do and you can't take away my freedoms and, and I'm the only person that matters. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad to see. Um, and there's still so much work to do. Um, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see that, you know, there's something of a change coming, but, uh, Man, there's there's just so much work to do, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes over the next uh, next four years. And you know, Joe's no spring chicken, so uh, I wish him nothing but good health. But he's got a very interesting vice president president uh, waiting in the wings there. Should anything go wrong, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I have hope. I have hope for the first time in in a few years. But uh, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm I won't uh, I won't shit on your brain. I'll, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's good. Yeah, glass <laughs> half full. You know, there's problems, but you know, uh, I think after um, what the last four years have been like, and just like having to just like see a very toxic and damaging person holding the most powerful office in the world and and just like having to endure the constant uh attacks and insults and slander and whatever the fuck else it was like it was just more than anything it was just exhausting um and like try as you might you can't you can ignore it up to an extent but it's like everything was news all the time all Uh, the time and it was just like i i think I, I honestly think America, I think the world should just get like, after this year, we should get a one year nap where everyone just goes into hibernation for a year. We all just chill the fuck out. Uh, and then we'll like erase that year from history and we'll we'll start 2021 the following January and we can all come back fresh. And, yep. you know, I think that's, uh, we've all earned it. Or we just have a straight up 2020 do over, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm into it. I'll I'll back you up there. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fucking abysmal year, and in so many ways, it is crazy to think about how bad this year has been for the world, pol- uh, politically, uh, global health. Uh, for me and you personally, we've had fucking shit going on, and like it's just it's such a it's such a bullshit year. And I think everybody's in the same boat, right? It's not just. Um, it's not just uh, the pandemic and whatever else. Like, I, I feel like everybody's just had a really shitty year. And like you and I are lucky. We're, we're both in a position where we've been working the whole time. Yeah. Um, a lot of people haven't. And I can't even imagine adding 
unemployment Loss and job financial, yeah, yeah, financial uncertainty on top of everything else. Yeah. Holy shit, man. 2020. Yeah. God damn. I know. And it's like everyone I talk to, like, no one's like, oh, you know, this, this has been a pretty good year. Like, I think everyone's just like, I'm, I'm fucking surviving. If I can make it to the stroke of midnight on December 31st and still be alive, yeah. I will consider this year uh, a success. There was this, uh, this fucking meme or whatever on Twitter. And it was just people, it was like, share a picture of yourself from January before you knew what was going to go down. Oh, I like, saw that. Yeah. And then I looked at my pictures from January. I was like, I'm not posting any of these. Wait, <laughs> they were just <laughs> awful. It was like, it was like all these weird pictures of me, like with, like this kind of angle, just like you taking like a selfie. Yeah. Like holding my dog and my dog was like licking in my ear. I'm like, I'm not posting any of these, man. It was heartbreaking seeing those pictures though. And just like remembering how, like, like, fuck, I started this year, like super optimistic. I was like, yeah. you know, I'm getting my, uh, my sober community off the ground. I got this bitch yep. and podcast. I got this other bitch and podcast. I'm like, uh, dating this amazing woman, you know, sky's the limit. And then, yeah. uh, fuck. Dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, you sent you sent us that picture the other day of the that meeting we had about uh, uh, Van, uh, Sober. Van Sober. That was like yeah. a year ago, right? Yeah, that was that a year was ago. Exactly. A year, yeah, at that wild end of, uh, end of or beginning of November 2019, we were yeah. just kick, kicking off, getting off the ground. And those, uh, you know, I was stoked on that. Those meetings were starting to yeah, they were uh, really pick up steam. We were getting uh, a lot like increasing numbers of people out to them, and we were starting mm-hmm. to find activities. And then, uh, and then it just all came crashing down, man. It's tough. I know it's not it's not healthy to dwell on like what could have been this year because this is the reality we've been dealt. But like yeah. at the same time, fuck, it's hard not to do that. <laughs> yeah, it really is, man. Uh, uh, you know, come, you know, you know. Fuck, fuck it. That's what fuck, I say. Fuck, fuck it, Scott. Yeah. Yep. Like, 2021. I like I, I'm just going to go on record and say also that I don't believe that 2020 is officially going to be over until January 20th. Right. I'm just, cause it could, it's my personal opinion. We could get, and you know, in 2021, like for the first, however long, it, whenever something bad happens, people are going to uh, just make jokes about how 2020 has been extended. So brace yourself, uh, yeah. brace yourself for that. I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to the hindsight as 2020 jokes. They're going to be fucking great. Uh, so a couple footnotes to our election talk. Um, number one, you you had raised this. <laughs> did I miss yeah, it? Yeah, no, yeah, you did. You look right. like an idiot. Anyways, well, that's, I that's took fun. Derek's. I took Derek's picture. He looks. Really, <laughs> yeah, for, he looks for those of you listening. He looks really good. Everyone. It's 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 fun to do visual gags during a <laughs> podcast because everybody gets it. Um, the, uh, you had raised an interesting point about how like politics in the United States was kind of a a microcosm of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, and just on, on that note, we did go and look at what the, uh, there's some interesting thought experiments that you can look at. It's like, what would the electoral map look like if only so-and-so demographic voted, uh, and when we pulled up the one for uh, white males, both uh, college educated and not, um, you know, I didn't feel good about it. No, no, I don't feel good about it either. I found one here. Uh, when is this from? Do, 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 20, so this is from 2016, but uh, um, essentially if white men voted, um yeah, the map is pretty much entirely red except for Washington, Oregon, a couple of states in the Northeast, and Hawaii. 
<laughs> and then uh, uh, non-college educated whites, it's Washington, a couple states in the Midwest, a couple states in the Northeast and Hawaii. And then it, it starts to get slightly better with educated, uh, college educated whites uh, and then white people and white women, but it's still mostly red. Uh, it's, it's wild, man. It is wild. Uh, if, if only people have coded, I will say that uh, every congressional seat or every electoral college vote would be Democratic, <laughs> which yeah. is something else, man. There's also, I, I also saw yeah. one. It was uh, some guy posted to Twitter. It's like, this is what the electoral college would look like if your dad stopped watching Fox News. And it was just blue across the board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have to say, too, there's this, there's this, um, Obviously, obviously, Trump is uh, is going off about how he's won the election and it's a fraud and blah 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 blah. This election was not close, and I feel like people are really not talking about it. This election was a blowout, and the only reason that this election seems close is because of how badly gerrymandered all the districts are. And the way the electoral college works, the three fifths law, if you guys want a real eye opener, you should look that one up because it has to do with um, extra um, stuff given to slave holding states uh, uh, towards the electoral college. It's a real eye opener as to how the electoral college seems to favor a certain demographic and it is completely racist. So, uh, yeah, this election was a blowout popular vote wise, electoral college vote wise. Uh, so people need to stop treating it like it was close, like it's a close race. There are close races in this election, but overall it's been a blowout. Like it's not even, it's not, there's, it's the electoral college is the only thing making it seem close. So one more footnote to the election thing. And I'm going to have a question for you. Yeah. So interesting footnote, this election was the first time in modern history that both presidential candidates were sober. Um, Donald Trump is sober uh, because his brother Fred, I want to say. Um, Fred was his dad. Was his brother okay. named Fred too? It could have been Fred Fred Jr. maybe. maybe. Um, was uh, was a severe alcoholic and, and struggled with it and I believe ended up dying from it. And then, uh, and then Biden, um, also, uh, I believe he, uh, he grew up in a, a family full of alcoholics. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Hunter has, uh, has, um, inherited whatever the genetic predisposition to, to, uh, to alcohol use disorder is. Um, and uh, yeah, so Biden, I believe, has abstained uh, for the majority of his life, if not all of it, uh, as well as Trump. So I just thought that was an interesting little yeah, footnote. The, Biden's quote, Biden's quote about being sober is uh, he says there's enough alcoholics in his family already. That's his quote. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's good a, quote. Right, great <laughs> good and quote. I think for a lot yeah. of families uh, and a lot of alcoholics, that would definitely uh, apply to them as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting that they're both, uh, that they both don't drink very different, uh, very different personalities. Um, and that it, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, being sober doesn't mean you're not a fucking dickhead, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say that they both, uh, also took it as like, um, 
alcohol did not stand in the way of either of them achieving what they wanted to achieve. Like they yep. both yep. now uh, held uh, the highest office in the country and probably in, in the world. Like I can't imagine yeah. anyone that carries more sway than the president of the United States. So, um, you know, there's an argument there for uh, it being particularly if you're coming from a family um, or from a traumatic background or from something where, you know, alcohol has been introduced to you as a means to, uh, manage your life. Um, I think there's an argument there that like, yeah, I, I definitely know for myself when, when I drank and I'm sure we can get into this on another episode. Uh, we have talked about it on, on club soda club, but like my, my drinking was definitely very career limiting. Like I didn't, I didn't see any career progression at all, uh, in my life until I sobered up. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. It's, it's, they're, they're especially in the age that both of them come from. I think it's far more rare uh, to have two guys, you know, Trump's not that much younger than Biden, uh, two guys that don't drink uh, from that generation. And to have them both now have achieved the highest office, arguably in the world. Um, you know, that's a good thing. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm choking on my words here because I feel like I'm complimenting Trump and I really don't like the guy. But you can't ignore the fact that uh, he uh, doesn't drink and he's managed to drag himself right to the top of the heap. So, you know, good on both of them. Uh, somebody write this down that I said something positive about Donald Trump because it will I, never I happen again. <laughs> um, okay, so before I have a question for you, I have a question for our audience. So if any of our listeners uh, who do... Uh, are people who lean Republican or vote Republican uh, and you are a person in recovery, I would love to hear from you personally about um, how, how you can reconcile the attacks on Hunter Biden with your political views um, yeah. and like non-judgmental Scott fucking hates Trump. Um, I am not a fan of the guy for a lot of reasons, but uh I, I can definitely like I'm I'm willing to hear you out if you're willing to talk. To no, me. listen, listen. I will say that I am absolutely willing to hear you out too. I have uh, coworkers and people that I would consider friends that uh, um, I they would call themselves Trump supporters, and uh, I know that they're good people, and I understand why they feel the way they do. Uh, it doesn't mean I agree with it, but I can s most of the time separate. Uh, depending on the level uh, of politics from, from the person. Uh, there are some cases where no, like that's just a no, a no go for me. But, but by and large, I think that, uh, um, you know, there's a reason that people feel disenfranchised by um, politics these days. And, and that was a pretty easy out for people to uh, hop on that bandwagon back in 2016 but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's coming around the other way but the, the thing that pisses me off is that like i i know people personally who have voted for trump and i know um when people just kind of lump them all in together and they're like oh you know people voted for trump because they're they're racist like that that's just it like if you vote for trump you're a racist and i'm like yeah. well if you vote for Trump because you're just you're desperate and you're looking for someone who you think will represent you and the things yeah. you need, you're willing to excuse 
his shittiness and his racism to achieve that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, like, I just don't want to paint anyone who voted Trump with, with, uh, that broad, a brush. Um, I will paint the people who enabled him with a broad brush saying that you fucking failed America. You failed the American people. Um, yeah. You've set political discourse back. Um, I don't even, like, you can't say you set it back to a certain point because it has never been this bad. No, so, no, no. Uh, you know, like, f- fuck those people. Absolutely. If you yeah. voted for them, you know, I it's, especially with the Hunter Biden thing, uh, feel free to DM me. Uh, I am on Instagram at van underscore sober, and I would uh, I would just love to, to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and now, Scott, a question for you. Go. I'm ready. For us to discuss. So I think... So this election revealed that uh, the United States is in the throes of a mental health crisis. Like, I think yeah. you look at how people uh, reacted to um, the election itself, how people uh, were treating other people in the name of politics, how people were uh, like everything's. And we've seen this build up to this, uh, I'd say, not even over the past four years, but probably since the beginning of the Obama presidency, maybe people are becoming like more and more polarized, more opposed to each other. What are you doing to look out for your own mental health? Just like it's impossible to log online right now, I think, and not see two people from opposite sides of the political spectrum, just shitting all over each other. And you see enough of that, it just fucking wears you down, man. Like it's, it's yeah. so hard to just be exposed to that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, assuming that this is just the the way the world's going to look from now on, and this is how elections are going to work both in the United States and to a lesser extent, Canada as well. Yeah. What, what, what do you do if you want to be engaged and, and not check out completely, but like, yeah, like you don't. Well, so I actually did check out completely for a good month, month and a half um, before we recorded the first episode. Uh, uh, I think I came back right around the same time. Excuse me. And um, it was wild, like to be off social media for that long as somebody who, you know, is a pretty heavy social media um, contributor and consumer simultaneously. I think that um, it was really interesting for my psyche and my my mental health to be away from it for that long. It felt great, man. I felt so good. Uh, but I, I felt like I was missing out on something. There was just like, I felt like I wasn't informed. I felt like I didn't know what was going on. Um, but maybe I don't need to know everything that's going on. Um, so what I've done since I've come back is I've actually started using that stupid screen time setting in my phone and I like pretty religiously stick to it. And when I'm done, I'm done. It's hard to not look, um, when I'm not supposed to be looking, but so far it's going okay. And yeah, that, that's really the only thing that's worked for me (laughs) to, uh, try to balance the never ending shit storm that social media is in the current climate that we're in. And I've also, I, I've typed out so many tweets these last two weeks and then just deleted them. And it's almost like journaling, right? Like you're just like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what it's like. So I'll type them out and 
just and then delete them. And you know, nine times out of ten, they're responses to something that I see. And then, uh, like, I would have gladly got into uh, some sort of argument with somebody whose opinion I didn't agree with previously. But now, uh, it feels good to type out what I wanted to say. But I know that the argument is not going to go anywhere because you know, it's, everything's just so polarized that there's no middle ground to find. So as much as it seems like maybe that's kind of like giving up or, or whatever, uh, I think we kind of need to do that a little bit. Like just, you don't need to fight with everybody all the time. So yeah, typing out tweets and deleting them is my, uh, is my jam these days. <laughs> that was, uh, it's interesting the screen time thing. And that's probably giving you like an opportunity to flex that self-control muscle a little, yep. a little bit again. Right. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Good, good for you. Yeah. How about you, man? How about you? Oh, I did the, so my whole like MO online for a very long time was just like the guy who would argue with everyone about everything. And that was just, what? Like, that was, I know shocking, right? This is brand right? new information. I didn't know this about you, Derek. But that Cullen. was like, that was me. I would log on and I would just like <laughs> pick fights with people. And I would even like, if no one was arguing about anything, cause this was back in the glory days of Twitter, I would just like post some contrarian shithead opinion just to get people flying into my mentions so I could argue with them. Um, and you know, uh, I did that because I was a deeply unhappy person and I was deeply unhappy with my life and you just wanted to feel, yeah, I, I, sure. We could say that. Like, I was just like, I think I was angry and I just needed an avenue to like unleash that on, uh, yeah. on people who just lived on the internet. And, uh, after that, and it was probably around the time I sobered up, actually, I was like, I don't want to fucking live like this anymore. Like, I do not want to be going online and like yeah so what so a lot of people are still out there like i'm i'm bad because i'll still like actively seek out um you know go looking for posts from people who still support trump and like see the shit they're saying and like yeah yeah, yeah. seek out those voter fraud tweets and like just reading them makes yeah. me like viscerally angry but um i i stopped responding like i i will not uh engage with these people at all if people try to engage with with me i often do like i i don't even humor them like i don't give them the opportunity so yeah that's that's something that i've done for for my mental health a long time ago but i'm still you know i'm not uh i would not classify myself as uh happy person with my social media use lately and it's just getting like so fucking hard to filter out the the noise and just like yeah. hey i have this core group of people that i want to pay attention to and fuck yeah. everyone else yeah uh, it's tough it's so yeah it's funny man like because i i saw you uh tweeted about that was it was it today or yesterday about why are we still on Twitter or it was something along those lines. Well, it was, it was cause this is something that went through my head. It's like, do you ever think about how much better your life would be if you weren't on Twitter? And that is yeah, yeah, just yeah. like going online and arguing with people. But like you look at the things that people on Twitter care about and the things that turn into these memes or these trending topics or like mm -hmm. things that people will like lose their minds about. Have you ever like seen something trending on Twitter that was like, even if it was the most, funny shit in the world and yeah. then you go and you try and explain it to someone who's not on twitter oh man they just like give you the blankest stare and you're like oh my god i wish i could live like you like I what wish was I that one what was the one the other day with the uh the trump religious advisor and then the cat that like dances to yeah. the music <laughs> like nobody anywhere but twitter would understand those are two separate things and you put them together and then somehow it was eminem playing over top of it 
And like, it's such a Twitter thing. Like yeah. people that aren't on Twitter would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What are about? you saying? You like, could even show it to them. Kids? You could show them the video and they'd be like, I don't get it. What is this? What yeah. Is this? And I just, I, I want, I, a part of me desperately wants to live like that. <laughs> yeah, right. like, I, I, I do. I want to, I want to be uh, oblivious to that minutia that's on Twitter every day that, yeah. yeah, it's just so, it's just such a overwhelming amount of information that you're constantly taking in and then it immediately leaves your brain. And I always wonder like, what else could my brain be doing with that extra bandwidth? You know, Literally like George, anything. like when George Costanza stops having sex and he becomes a genius. Yeah. One more thing before we wrap it up here. Your rat fact for the day. I told you. Oh, I was, oh wow. That's right. This is, right. The, thing. This, is the <laughs> thing. this is the thing now. Uh, some breeds of rats can swim up to one mile uninterrupted. You're welcome. Un- underwater what do they hold their breath the whole time or are they uh i don't on the top of the water that's a a great question well so that'll be your next rat rat expert but uh, okay fair enough keep coming back to uh learn things about rats sobriety mental health (laughs) uh and wellness for men women rats and the men women and rats who love them scott anything else you'd like to add uh no i don't think so <laughs> i uh, <laughs> i didn't think you about didn't that sell me uh, no yeah i was like do i i probably do but i'm just forgetting uh because i have no bandwidth in my brain left because i'm back on twitter um i would like to give a shout out to uh sober dry uh they uh i think we both ordered stuff from them oh yes we did yeah 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 so uh they don't, they're not a sponsor or anything but uh go check them out soberdry.com uh, for all of your non-alcoholic and um, almost completely non-alcoholic beverages, I mean, if they um, want to be a sober uh, or a, spo- a sober sponsor, if they yeah. want to sponsor us, with sober- I mean, we wouldn't say no. Yeah, no. If you want to send us, some stuff. and they have a great, great selection. A lot of uh, of uh, sober brews from around the world. Um, yeah, yeah. And just uh, yeah, I just I I'm sitting here and. Think, trying to think of something to say, and then their sticker was sitting here, uh, staring me in the face. Uh, uh, you can, uh, if you want to see the stupid things I say on Twitter, um, you can follow me at WFLBC. Same on Instagram, same on YouTube. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll be there for the foreseeable future. But my opinion on the social media uh, varies from day to day. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm hoping I can take a break myself, but that at least won't be happening until the end of November because until the end of November, uh, I am raising money for Together We Can. Uh, They are a local addiction recovery and education society based here in Vancouver, BC, uh, helping men and families struggling with addiction. Uh, I am raising money by growing a mustache in the spirit of Movember, but I'm calling it Brovember. Um, I took an issue with, uh, I know I'd been to, uh, I'd been involved with Movember in the past. And I know that a lot uh, of the culture around it was very kind of um, frat boyish, I want to say almost. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's a pretty gin soaked community, so yeah. to speak. So yeah, I get it, man. Brovember, uh, alcohol free. I'm going to flip you a donation. Uh, you're growing a mustache, right? I am. Can, can you not, you can't really. It, there's, I mean, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not growing a mustache. Well, I currently have a 
pretty good cookie duster going on, but I have a beard that I need to shave because it comes out about three inches below my mask these days. But uh, yeah, Lindsay's no, no go on the mustache. So I will gladly support your November. When you're trimming the beard, just tell her they, whoops, I over, I overdid it. No, no, it's a, it's a whole thing, you know? So (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to respect her wishes. And uh, quite frankly, I look terrifying with a mustache anyway. So it's probably for the best. I don't know anyone who doesn't, but uh, weirdly, Kate, Kate loves me with a mustache. So I'm just, I'm going to. Keep it until the end of November. I don't like it with the mustache. Uh, If you'd like to make a donation to uh, Brovember and Together We Can, uh, head on over to Van underscore Sober on Instagram uh, and you can find details and make a donation there. You could even put a link in the show notes. Oh, shit. Scott, you're so smart. I know. This is is why you're on the pod. I'll put a link in the show notes. There you go, buddy. Uh, And... uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, I think after this episode, Scott and I are going to start booking uh, guests. We have a pretty impressive list of of people we're going to be getting on the show to bring you uh, male perspective and female perspectives. I don't want to yeah. don't want to be exclusionary yeah. um, on on addiction, uh, recovery, sobriety, health, wellness, mental health, therapy. Uh, you know, an entire an entire uh, big old fun bag of stuff. Yeah, big old fun bag, or whatever the hell you just said. <laughs> uh, All right, Scott. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Man. <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs> All right.